As we begin this morning, please pray with me. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. I was thinking of my assignment for this morning, and the term closer came to mind. I have no idea why, and Larry, my husband, will be the first to tell you that it certainly couldn't be a sports term because I know zip about sports. But I did what anyone would do, and I googled the word. And I found that a closer in baseball is a relief pitcher who can protect a lead in the last inning or two of the game, and it brings and he brings the game to a close. But another definition is whoever has to turn out the lights and lock up, or the finisher. So I guess I can tell you that I'm your closer for this series on Galatians. And it's curious, but our scripture for today, Galatians 6, is also a closer. Because it's it's kind of a summary of Paul's message to the Galatian church. Please turn in your pew Bibles to Galatians 6. I think you will find it on page 868. I'm going to read it in Eugene Peterson's The Message, which is in very contemporary English, but I'd like you to follow along anyway. And I also would invite you to keep your finger in that spot because we're going to come back to the scripture verses in more detail later on. And you want to kind of double-check me, make sure I'm on track. So hear the word from the message. Live creatively, friends. If someone falls into sin, forgivingly restore him, saving your critical comments for yourself. You might be needing forgiveness before the day's out. Stoop down and reach out to those who are oppressed. Share their burdens and so complete Christ's law. If you think you're too good for that, you are badly deceived. Make a careful exploration of who you are and the work you have been given, and then sink yourself into that. Don't be impressed with yourself. Don't compare yourself with others. Each of you must take responsibility for doing the creative best you can with your own life. Be very sure now, you you who have been trained to a self-sufficient maturity, that you enter into a generous common life with those who have trained you, sharing all good things that you have and experience. Don't be misled. No one makes a fool of God. What a person plants, he will harvest. The person who plants selfishness 
ignoring the needs of others, ignoring God, harvests a crop of weeds. All he'll have to show for his life is weeds. But the one who plants in response to God, letting God's spirit do the growth work in him, harvests a crop of real life, eternal life. So let's not allow ourselves to get fatigued doing good. At the right time, we will harvest a good crop if we don't give up or quit. Right now, therefore, every time we get the chance, let us work for the benefit of all, starting with the people closest to us in the community of faith. Now in these last sentences, I want to emphasize in the bold scrawl of my personal handwriting the immense importance of what I've written to you. These people who are attempting to force the ways of circumcision on you have only one motive. They want an easy way to look good before others, lacking the courage to live by a faith that shares Christ's suffering and death. All their talk about the law's gas. They themselves don't keep the law, and they're highly selective in the laws they do observe. They only want you to be circumcised so that they can boast of their success in recruiting you to their side. That's contemptible. For my part, I'm going to boast about nothing but the cross of our Master Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, I have been crucified in relation to the world, set free from the stifling atmosphere of pleasing others and fitting into the little patterns they dictate. Can't you see the central issue in all of this? It's not what you and I do, submit to circumcision, reject circumcision. It's what God is doing, and he is creating something totally new, a free life. All who walk by this standard are the true Israel of God, his chosen people. Peace and mercy on them. Quite frankly, I don't want to be bothered anymore by these disputes. I have far more important things to do. The serious living of this faith. I bear in my body scars from my service to Jesus. May what our Master Jesus Christ gives freely be deeply and personally yours, my friends. Oh, yes. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So when Paul founded the churches in Galatia, most were converted directly from paganism. Paul's preaching was probably the first they'd ever heard of the Torah or the first five books of the Old Testament. And it's pretty certain that they'd not lived by it. When Paul preached a crucified Messiah to them, they accepted it as good news in faith, and they received an outpouring of the Spirit. But the community was not mature in their understanding of their identity in Christ. 
They were beginning to doubt both Paul and his message, and they started to listen to agitators in the community who were advocating a different version of the gospel. They were in essence saying that they needed the law as well as Christ. To put it another way, they were young in their faith and really easily swayed. As a result, Paul's letter to the Galatians is a lot less friendly than some of his other epistles. For Paul, a person established a right relationship with God, not by external observance of the law and the commandments, what we might call works, but by a fundamental response called faith. In Galatians 6, Paul brings together the major themes that he introduced at the beginning of his letter and then carried throughout. Paul characterizes the Christian life as bearing one another's burdens, doing good to all people, and he highlights how the faithful become the new creation and are the new Israel of God. Now, I told you to keep your finger in that spot, so look for a minute at verses 1 through 6. In chapter 5, Paul spoke about the freedom in Christ, and now he emphasizes that freedom in Christ brings responsibility for the welfare of others. The true Christian life humbly devotes itself to the benefit of others, sharing and receiving whatever is helpful. The love commandment and self-sacrificing service is the manner of Jesus Christ. Not so easy as it sounds. Christians can still live by sin according to the flesh. And when this happens, the whole community, in a spirit of gentleness, is responsible for guiding the transgressor back into the way of faithfulness. There's a catch. There's always a catch, isn't there? Those who offer the correction and the instruction are vulnerable to pride and must take, take extra care to proceed with humility. How easy it is to judge a brother or sister for their actions and fail to do a truthful self-examination. Way too tempting to say, that in my that my experience of God's truth is the only experience of God's truth the human ego is alive and well and it's so easy to fall away from the grace of the gospel henry nowen a famous christian author 
says that if in order to defeat the beast, we become the beast, the beast is one. Paul is saying that if someone does make a slip, the real Christian duty is to get that person on their feet again. The word that Paul uses for that is to correct. It's the same term used for making a repair or for the work of a surgeon who removes a growth or heals a broken bone. The stress isn't on punishment, but on correction and guidance and reconciliation. Paul reminds us that when we see someone else fall into fault, we do well to say there, but for the grace of God, go I. You see, we don't measure ourselves against others, but against Jesus Christ and his life and death. Humbling, isn't it? No room for conceit. And then in verses 7 through 10, Paul wants the Galatians to understand that while Christ gives freedom and makes new life possible, God also judges. All are accountable for their actions and their reactions. Remember your grandmother telling you that you reap what you sow? How many of you have heard that? One way or the other, yep. Salvation is by faith, but work and not by works, but actions are still important. Believers and non-believers alike sow their actions throughout their lives, for good or for bad, and they reap what they sow corruption, or eternal life. The hard truth is that if we allow the lower side of our nature to dominate, in the end, we can expect nothing but a harvest of trouble. Being complacent is not a good thing for a Christian. Now is the time for Jesus' followers to do what's right for the welfare of others. Now is the time to accomplish the works of love. Now, in the present, we can glimpse the coming day when the hope of righteousness will be fulfilled for those living by the Spirit and loving their neighbor as themselves. And then we come to verses 11 through 16. Got your finger in that spot? (laughs) Paul has the full establishment of God's kingdom in sight, and he turns his attention to the risen Christ and the Galatians' current situation. This is Paul's final plea to the Galatian church. He emphasizes and underlines the next few verses by telling us that he's now writing in his own hand and not dictating to the scribe. This is important, 
and I'm taking my own pen to write to you. I can just imagine Paul striding back and forth across the room and a scribe just writing as fast as he can to get everything down, the passion that Paul has. But all of a sudden he grabs the pen and he said, now this is even more important. And so he comes back to the center of the matter. Those who wanted the Galatians to be circumcised and to keep the rules and the regulations of the law were trying to put on a show that would win the approval of God. Paul is certain that nothing that men can do will win salvation. And once again, he points them to the cross. Cease trying to earn salvation and trust the grace that loved him so much. Circumcision shows the human trust in the law for salvation. So Paul lays it down with all of the intensity of which he's capable. Circumcision, no circumcision, it doesn't matter. What matters is that act of faith in Christ which opens new life. It's faith in Christ that breaks the all-encompassing power of sin and reveals God's transforming power of love. What matters is the new creation. Don't be gullible. Don't be misled. Don't listen to those who'd gild the gospel or make it say what they want for their own benefit. Don't listen to a different message about Jesus and salvation. Righteousness does not come through works, but through faith. Be led by the Spirit, not by the flesh. Know Christ and the power of the resurrection. In the book of Deuteronomy, we have the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And then Leviticus 19 adds, But you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. And just in case we missed it in the Old Testament, you get the verses of Matthew 22. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and the first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Then we consider the purpose of Paul's letter to the Galatians is to establish the law of Christ, which is the law of love. And we have a clear understanding of what our calling is as the people of Christ. And so we come to us, you and I. If we take seriously the scriptures 
and what we've recently learned from Paul and his letter to the Galatians and to us, does that make a difference in our lives? Knowing the call to love, what do I do now? I'm going to give you a few seconds to reflect on the following questions. What in our world, our country, city, neighborhood, church, home, in our very life, needs not only more evaluation, but change? How can we live into Paul's vision today? How do we live into a Christianity that's inclusive and not exclusive? And what does that even mean? How do we live into our calling? And after all of the intensity of Paul's letter comes the peace of the benediction. Paul has argued, chastised, conjoled, but his last word is grace. For him, that's the only word that really matters. God's grace is free for us. Grace is what matters. Grace is the way that we live into our calling. Thanks be to God.